spend the night with producer and Katie's family. <laughs> and Katie's the mac and cheese champion of the universe. I am. And I try and, you know, make it fresh every year. Mm-hmm. And so the past couple of years, I have done a different recipe every year. Yeah. And I feel like this year I've really fucking nailed it. Because this year I'm adding breadcrumbs that I am making from scratch. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's incredible. It's going to be great. So I, I tested it at Friendsgiving <laughs> last I'm the, week. I'm the honey glazed carrot person. Ooh, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's a great side dish. And mostly I guzzle wine. Yeah. That's yeah, my yeah. goal. So <laughs> to all of you, I hope you're listening to this and going to a dinner where you're yes. going to guzzle yeah. some wine. Yes. <laughs> and we've got some things to do. We do. We have a podcast to do. So welcome to Herstory. On the rock. I'm Katie. And I'm Allie. And we are here to tell you about famous women in history. And tonight is a special Thanksgiving episode. It is a Thanksgiving episode. And we like to talk about good women and mm-hmm. bad women from mm-hmm. all all times in history, but we're going to be focusing on American history. Yes. This evening. American and Canadian. Cause yeah. mine kind of, uh, breaches the border. Right. Which I will also talk about border stuff in mine. So, okay, cool. Um, yeah. So we are doing a Thanksgiving episode on the women of native indigenous North America, because, I feel like we have a certain image in our head and we are here to tell you the true stories of these women. So, yeah. And I had considered doing the women of the Wampanoag tribe, which uh-huh. is the actual Thanksgiving right. like, story. And then I was like, that's too on the nose. I'm right. Gonna, like, yeah. I'm going to step it back a bit and I'll do them like another time. Exactly. So, so I don't know. We're going to be <laughs> drinking a lot. Oh, yes. Because Allie's going to tell a story and serve me a cocktail. I'm going to tell a story and serve Allie a cocktail. And what do we have tonight, Allie? Oh, bonus, bonus wine. wine. Bingo. <laughs> so if you're in your car right now driving to your crazy aunt's house and we just said bonus wine, you get your square. Oh, wait, no, it's not bonus wine. So you don't get a square this week. <laughs> I think. It is bonus wine. No, I think it's something but bonus wine. Oh. Like a beer. Hmm, which is Lame. less common. Never so, mind. Sorry. You can still have the square. Never mind. Take the we'll square get, away. We'll put it on the free space. Free we'll space in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are not historians. No. We do a lot of research for this. We both have practice researching from being in college. Mm-hmm. And we look at all of the different media and literature that we can about this topic for one week. And then we deliver it to you in a nice little audio format. Yes, it is perfect. You can talk about it at Thanksgiving if you want, because this is definitely the episode that your Aunt Beth doesn't want to fucking hear. (laughs) Um, So before we get started, though, uh, we like to do a thing where we describe what these women look like because you're probably driving to Thanksgiving. So or some other type of celebration. And we don't want you to crash your car. So we need to get a little physical, physical. Allie, what does your lady look like? Well, I'm doing Pocahontas and I'm really excited about it because I feel like I knew the basics of the story, Uh but not like as much as I should have. Yes. So Pocahontas is a Powhatan woman. And when she first comes on the scene in historical events, she's like somewhere between nine and 11 years old. Oh my gosh. We picture her as much older because of the Disney movie Uh and because of a lot of artist renditions of her yeah um she had long dark hair and typically women in the Powhatan tribe began to wear like some formal clothing at age 14 so she was most likely nude when she first came like on the scene 
Um, also at around age 14, Powhatan women get tattooed in either red, white, or black on their mm. thighs, breasts, shoulders, or faces. Um, Pocahontas most certainly would have gotten some tattoos at her coming of age ceremony, but may not have had a ton yet. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it expanded throughout the years from what I was reading. They would have been covered, though, by clothing in any of the pictures or okay. renditions that we have of her because the engravings we have of her from England, she's wearing like big, floofy england clothing right so i'm also it, sure they would have just like not painted them on her like exactly <laughs> a and literal whitewashing <laughs> if they were on her face which nobody ever mentions them but it mm -hmm. was common for powhatan women if they were on her face they just didn't mention it and didn't put it in the engraving yeah so i do want to give disney credit for this even though it's abysmal yeah they did <laughs> they give did her a story. red tattoo on they her did. upper arm yeah like, they they did a little bit of research. <laughs> it's not a lot, but they did give her that red tattoo. So and then when, her dad had a face tattoo. Yeah. Well, the, a lot of them were red war paint, but her dad did constantly have red on his face. Yes. yes. A lot of the people in the tribe did. And her okay. specifically was like that teardrop like oh, pattern yeah. around her arm. I am familiar. I know <laughs> that was your era of Disney 98. Yep. When she was about 20, there was an engraving made of her in England, and she is heavily adorned in high British society clothing, and um, she was a symbol to them that, like, a savage could be normalized. Mm -hmm. So, But she had a really square jaw with, like, a dimpled chin, dark eyes, and a dark complexion, and then, like really severe cheekbones Ooh. in the picture and over the years she's been drawn more and more light skins like after yeah. she passed away she's slowly become lighter and has kind of changed in age yeah in her appearance mm. so i don't know what she looks like is my answer to your question <laughs> <laughs> also i'm thinking this is a thanksgiving episode that like we're celebrating indigenous women but i feel like don't indigenous women like not celebrate thanksgiving probably the same not. way yeah probably not <laughs> like the same way with columbus day where it's exactly like, you fucking killed us day <sighs> so it's sorry guys so that's saying this the point of this episode is to kind of like i don't know make everyone reflect on like what really happened and what yeah. the situation was because it did really suck and still does yep so tell me who you're doing. <laughs> so on that note, uh, I am doing the missing and murdered indigenous women of North America. So we are talking about a lot of women. And because we're talking about, I mean, literally thousands of women, they look very different. Um, they, it's like when I did Radium Girls. Right. You can't exactly. get one You just can't. So like some have dark hair, some have blonde hair, some are very young some are very old they just range so dramatically that i'm just not even going to try and do a physical because there's just <laughs> nothing that i could say to like you know i don't know fully describe a fully person. describe you know of all these people so right. that's all i'm gonna say so that's what they look like <laughs> so let's issue our trigger warning now yes if you are going to struggle, especially today on a holiday. That's yeah. a hard time of year. If you're mm -hmm. going to struggle with sexual assault, bookmark this, put it away for another time. But if you are trying to really get into like some deep stuff when you're in the car, then yeah. this, this is the show for you right now. Yeah. Cause we're talking about uh, sexual assault, domestic violence, murder, you know, it's going to get really intense. Mm -hmm. So just uh just a warning from here. 
because um, it's going to get serious. So let's get happy serious. serious. <laughs> happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. Okay. All right. So you want to um, know what you're drinking? I do want to know what I'm drinking. So this cocktail is called the Powhatan Princess colon kind of but not really because the British imposed their own <laughs> understanding of what a monarchy is on the Native American people. There we go. So that's the name of the cocktail and it is one and a half ounces of SoCo which is an interesting choice. I was going to do corn distilled vodka but I uh-huh. still felt like vodka was very Russian. Yeah. So I looked into it and SoCo is whiskey flavored liqueur and it's made from really? Yeah. I found this out. People think it's a whiskey, but it's a whiskey flavored liqueur and it's made from herbs, spices and distilled corn mash. And I wanted the corn. I was very big on finding a corn drink. And then it's all other things that you would find in North America about or around the region Mm -hmm. of, you know, Virginia. And it is cranberry juice, blackberry, simple syrup and a sprig of rosemary. Mm. Excellent. So it reminds me of what I did for Sacagawea last yeah, year. Exactly. Cheers. Cheers. Isn't it good? Yeah, it's good. It's like mm. dry, but it's like something you could tell people may have made. Mm-hmm. When I looked online, all of the Pocahontas cocktails were based off of the Disney. Yeah. And they were very like um cream based because they huh. wanted the like mocha color of her dress. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, I and wouldn't even think about that. I was like, I don't want a mocha cocktail because of what her outfit looked like like i want an actual like north american style drink yeah absolutely so a lot of the ones i looked up had like cranberries in it like almost the way you boil cranberries for cranberry sauce right yeah Mm. what is nice it's sweet well i'm glad you like Mm. it it is homegrown and i made it up in my head (laughs) (laughs) So tell me what you know about Pocahontas. Okay, so I know that the Disney story is not correct. I know that she did not get together with John Smith. He was too much older than her. Uh, She did get together with John Rolfe, uh, and he took her to England. Uh, She had a son, and then I believe she died of, like, smallpox. And that, and she was Powhatan, and that is, like, pretty much all I know. So... That is my limited knowledge of what the real Pocahontas was like. Well, this is going to be fun because I feel like that's about what I knew. Yeah. I feel like that's what most people know is like, we all know that Disney was not correct. Right. We, <laughs> we know it wasn't correct, but we don't necessarily know what's right. How? Yeah. And Disney's story isn't incorrect in the sense that they didn't go off of other stories. Like they yeah. based it on stories that had been told before, which is interesting. Yeah. Like this had already been ingrained into our culture by 1998 when this came out. Yeah. Well, and so a part of me kind of wishes that like they would have maybe done the story, but just changed the name of Pocahontas. You know what I'm saying? Like right. why make it about a real person that existed? Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I understand that, like, you know, without, like, it, there is, like, real history involved, but, like, John Smith was a real person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Ratcliffe was. And, and like, like, Jamestown's a real place. Right, exactly. And, like, I so. think it, it was the first time they had done a real person. Yeah. And I think they've definitely learned since then on yeah. doing research. And also, it was kind of a phenomenon because it in 1998, when Pocahontas hit the theaters, it became the eighth biggest box office hit they ever had and I don't think they expected it to be at the level it was at now obviously since Disney has bought 
you know, Star Wars and Pixar and all oh, that stuff. Well, it yeah, slid but... down the chain yeah. on the highest. But it was for people of our generation, this was a movie that everybody went and saw in the theater. So now we have this beloved princess in our heads. Yeah. And it's just not true. Yeah. So it's hard mm. to deal with. So let me tell you. Okay, tell me. Tell me the story. There are three stories of Pocahontas. There's the Powhatan version. Mm -hmm. There is the John Smith version. Mm -hmm. And there's like the American version. And I'm going to try to weave through each of them because the truth is probably somewhere in between in in the middle. Okay. Um, I lean definitely towards the Powhatan version. Mm -hmm. It's oral tradition, though. So a lot of it was not written down until well afterwards. Yeah. So Pocahontas was born in 1596 ish. We're not 100% sure. And her name was not Pocahontas at birth. They have a really cool tradition in her tribe where you get a birth name and your birth name has like this magical spiritual sense to it and you don't share it with anyone. Mm. And you're kind of given nicknames throughout your life that describe who you are Mm -hmm. in that moment. And then when you have your like coming of age ceremony, you choose a name. Yeah. Her and her birth name is Matoika, and it meant the flower between two streams. And that's like where she was born, and it's how her father named her. And then later on, there's also this nickname, Amantu, which I'm not sure if that came on as a toddler, but at some point she's referred to by both of these names. Now, as we've already said, she was part of the Powhatan tribe in eastern Virginia, which is in the Tidewater region. And the population of that tribe was about 25,000 people. It was a big crew. But it was broken into like 30 smaller tribes that Mm -hmm. were governed by like their own leaders. Okay. Pocahontas's father, Wahoo Seneca, was the one head chief. Mm-hmm. Now, we in history have decided to call him Chief Powhatan. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that's what they called him. Okay. But that's what people decided. We're just going to say he was the chief of the Powhatans because okay. it's just easier than Wahoo Seneca, uh, which we do to indigenous people all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. One woman from each tribe. Each of these 30 tribes would be sent to the chief and they would be his wife and bear him a child. Mm -hmm. And then they would take that child to their village and raise the child for about three or four years until they were weaned and like Mm -hmm. able to deal. And the child would go back and live with the chief. And that woman would then be able to start her own family and get married and whatnot so this was when girls came of age at about 14 and they were married soon after that so pocahontas's mother was most likely about 14 years old and sent to the chief it was seen as a great honor only the most beautiful and intelligent girls were chosen to pass on their traits to Mm -hmm. the next generation and like we said once the child was weaned she would go and live with the chief but those children were the next leaders. Hmm. So the chief's children were leaders kind of not in the same way we think of in Great Britain. It was a matrilineal, which means like the oldest son to the youngest son would leave lead. And then the oldest daughter to the youngest daughter would lead at like different tribes. Mm-hmm. So Pocahontas had a very small chance of having any 
claim to anything. And she had about 30 up to 50 half brothers and sisters that existed in this tribe. So there's no dynastic opportunity for her. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even something she would have been pushing for. But the interesting thing about Pocahontas is that the story goes her mother died in childbirth. Mm -hmm. So instead of going back and being raised by another family, she was raised right under the chief's nose. So she was his favorite. Interesting. Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was his favorite and she was like his little mascot and she was allowed to go everywhere with him and other people weren't because he actually got to see her grow up from baby to four or five or whatever it is. So (laughs) we think that Pocahontas may have been the nickname that Chief Powhatan gave her mother. Mm. It means playful one. Mm-hmm. Some people say it means spoiled one, but <laughs> I, I, some of the sources, I, no source agreed on this. I am more unsure about this story than any story <laughs> I've ever done. So when she was little, the chief also began calling her Pocahontas, just like her mother. And she displayed those same fun tendencies of like doing cartwheels and like dancing around. Like we see the cartwheel thing was written in a lot of actual books. So Hmm. when you see her doing that in the movie, that is like something she did. Oh wow. She is known for her cartwheels. (laughs) Get it, Pocahontas. Oh my gosh. I just keep thinking of um, Creed from the office when that was his New Year's resolution. (laughs) Just want to do one perfect cartwheel. (laughs) Don't make a big deal about it, though. <laughs> I love Creed from the Office. His compilation is like just the best. I can't. Well, th- he's the strangest character. <laughs> he is, and you know how like when they lock themselves in because they stay at work late, mm-hmm. and they're all like, "Oh, what's the security desk name?" Blah blah blah. blah. And he's just like in the background. He's like Hank. And <laughs> nobody listens no to him, listens to- but then his name's actually Hank. <laughs> You're like, Creed, you're so nice. Oh you care gosh. about people. I love him. What a mess. <laughs> He's also an awful man that drinks at work. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> definitely a murderer. <laughs> Sorry. Back okay. to Pocahontas. Nope. The office is where it's at. Because Michael <laughs> Scott would suck at this episode worse than yes, we would. He would. Yep. And we're going to offend some people, and we're sorry. No, we're really sorry. We're really trying our best. So if there are things that need to be corrected, tell us. please let us know. Oh, my God, we want to know. We have been, like, racking our brains this week to do this episode because we are trying so hard to do it right. Yeah, I was out with... Fuck it up. I was out with Katie on Tuesday, and I was like, I'm feeling... Yep. (laughs) Rough. Okay. In 1607, Jamestown was settled, and it was about 104 men and boys that show up, and they build a border and some houses, but they choose, like, a super swampy area that's going to get a lot of mosquitoes in the Mm. hot with very little farming ground, and it was all rich guys who had enough money to come on this trip. There's no women. There's no children. There's no servants. So there's no one who knows how to do any work. Oh, my God. And uh, they refuse to work because they're not going to denobilize themselves, you know. What did they think they were going to do when I they got here? find gold and rub it on their asses. I don't <laughs> know. So they start dying stat. Like dying off, dying off, dying off. They're eating their cattle. They're eating their pets. They're eating rats. There's some claims of cannibalism at some point. Mm. Like they found bones with like the correct markings on it. And 
like I said, Pocahontas is known for running around in the trees and climbing in trees and doing cartwheels with her siblings. And she does the same thing with the little English settler boys. Mm -hmm. Like they're not young, young children who came yet, that they're boys and men that came. And she's just like very playful with everybody. When Chief Powhatan sees them struggling at first, he's like, oh my God, Pocahontas, I'm going to send you there like with some food. Mm -hmm. And she is unthreatening and up peaceful like messenger so she's already like secretary of state like you go and talk to these people that are different from us Mm -hmm. so they wanted to make it clear it wasn't an act of war Mm -hmm. this is the first time john smith writes about her Mm -hmm. he calls her at this point in his first writing a nine or ten year old girl a few years later though he refers back to this moment and says she was an 11 or 12 year old girl so this is what needs to be known about john smith he can't get his story straight and it's part of what has fucked history is that he like is constantly changing whatever he says Mm -hmm. there is like katie said earlier no love story they had a platonic relationship where she brought food and he realized you're the chief's daughter and you're important i'm gonna bookmark that for Mm -hmm. later so this is not the first time that native people had seen white people though like Mm -hmm. this is like well known that white people show up and it gets real shitty real fast like people in the community have this now circulating in ideas Mm -hmm. and also john smith didn't just show up like a mel gibson hero like he was (laughs) in the movie that mel gibson did his voice how fun is that do you know who thomas was oh i do know this Fuck. It's your it's boy. Christian Bale. <laughs> it's your boy. God. Nailed it. Love him. <laughs> God. Yeah. I feel like also uh, I didn't realize that he played Laurie in the original Little Women with Winona Ryder. Oh. And he looks just like he did in Newsies. And I'm obsessed <laughs> with that. And now it's going to be Timothy Chalamet in the yeah. new one who's my new crush because he's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Good to I know. mean, Laurie just has to be the cutest boy of the generation. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm very excited. I mean, besides producer. Besides producer. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is that it? I'm just agreeing with you. Okay, good. So (laughs) John Smith was not well liked, like we're saying. He was not Mel Gibson. Mm -hmm. He actually was put in like the ship's jail for like mutiny, like on the way across the ocean. But he ends up taking over Jamestown at some point when all the other leaders die. So in the past few years, there's been like an awful drought and Chief Powhatan's being nice and sending them stuff. And then the colonists like lied to him and they were like, oh, one of our ships is broken. We're waiting for a new ship and then we're going to leave. And he's like, OK, well, then you can stay on my land if you're just like waiting for a new tire. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, fine. Um, but then when he realizes they're lying, he like stops supplying them with shit. And it's just like, well, they'll just they're just going to die because they don't right. know how to farm yeah. and they can't hunt. And none of the men are working because they're worried about their fingernails. So then John Smith went to look for Pocahontas to get food. He's like, okay, she's good at diplomacy. Like, let me go find this girl that I used to know. And right after the incident, he writes down that it was very peaceful. They were very kind to him. Uh, But a lot of people believe that John Smith had told colonists to steal stuff from them throughout, like go take their food. Yeah. And, then a lot of like white guys are getting killed because it's like they were so weak because they were hungry and the chief ends up like capturing John Smith because he comes to find Pocahontas and they'd been stealing shit and 
as the story goes, he was like marched through the different villages. And then first he says he was let off peacefully. Mm-hmm. Later, his story becomes that Pocahontas threw herself <laughs> in between them and saved him from a clubbing execution. And this story is wrong for a lot of reasons. One, she would have been nine or ten at the time of the execution. Mm-hmm. And that's not how they executed people. And they wouldn't have allowed a child at an execution. Yeah. And if this is something that did happen, it would have been a big misunderstanding, like on his part, like it was a cultural thing maybe, and Mm -hmm. he didn't get what was happening. But the most important factor is in terms of writing books, John Smith is Gilderoy Lockhart. (laughs) He (laughs) always the hero of his own story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He writes books about like, there's a book about him when he traveled in Turkey and a similar thing happens where a girl saves his life. Uh Like stop using the same trope, dude. Like it's not true. You're just like, embellishing to get people to buy your books Mm -hmm. which was his goal so at age 14 um john smith like they're all getting tired of him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and his shit and everybody dying and him being in charge so he just like goes to england and pocahontas just assumes he dies like that's what she thinks and she turns 14 and kind of fades into the background of history for a while, mm-hmm. which she would. She's 14. She goes through her coming of age ceremony. She gets her period. She has to do all the woman things. She's going to get married. Like there's no reason for her to be out and about with her dad right now, culturally yeah. speaking. And when she's about 15, she marries a young man named Kokoum, who Kokoum really existed. <laughs> Yes. Isn't that fun? But in a different way. So do you want to hear a really funny story? Mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to this podcast that used to uh, exist called Wedding Confessionals, which was so great. Um, and this, they had this girl on who she was like, yeah, my, one of my best friends asked me to sing at her wedding. And I was like, yes, absolutely. And she sang this song, um, just around, around the, the river, river bend. <laughs> and she, so she's singing it during the ceremony. And then she was like, are you sure you want me to sing this song? And she's like, yeah, that's my favorite song from Disney. Like, I love that song. She's like, okay. And then she goes to the part and she's like, should I marry Coco? Um, are all is all my dreaming at an end and she's like i feel like i shouldn't be saying this at a wedding like (laughs) it is funny but do you know what i find hysterical i tell people a lot i married kokoum like i think but not in a negative way like in a like it's not bad to marry a rock person that like you know you're gonna like be able to be successful with. yeah i think her story was like in the movie not in real life but Mm -hmm. in the movie it was like pocahontas was like i want to explore and like do some shit and you're trying to tie me down but like sometimes you build your life on a foundation that's (laughs) true coco was a rock he was a rock Mm -hmm. and uh i do want to say the american pronunciation of cocoam in the movies is bad it's something like cocoam when i was watching a lot of the videos so i thought that was cool because i was like i had to like keep rewinding i was like did i hear that right did they say cocoam i'm so excited (laughs) so he was real and she marries him and moves to his village, which is still in the consort of like her father's village. But it's just like, you know, with him and his family, which happens to be a little bit closer to Jamestown. Okay. Now, 
it does seem that they had a loving relationship, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we know they were allowed to choose partners. We know he had a low standing in society and she has no chance of taking over. But more importantly, like I said, she's now closer to Jamestown, which ends up being bad for her. And they know because of what John Smith has written that she is a little princess and she is right next door. When uh, the remaining 60 people that hadn't died in Jamestown were ready to get up and leave, they were like, fine, we're leaving. They get on the boat. They're like, we can't do this anymore. And they start going like down the what they had named the James River, which mm-hmm. is in the Chesapeake Bay or mm-hmm. that the Virginia part of it. Um, they come to a boat that's just arriving and the boat has 900 people on it. And they're like, turn around. You're not allowed to leave. Oh my Everybody's gosh. going back to Jamestown. And these 60 dudes are like, are you fucking kidding with me? Like we're dying of starvation. So they come back and there's 900 people now at this camp that have to be fed. And the native Americans are like, we're not fucking helping you. Yeah. So in the summer, as you know, it's very muggy in the mid Atlantic. So the native American women often walked around with very limited clothing. Mm -hmm. And this is a settlement of all men. And this was very shocking to them. And they had not seen women in a long ass fucking time because of this. Many of the women and children were taken and raped. Sexual assault and murder are very serious crimes in the Powhatan tribe. Men were sent to death with no second chances at all. It was a very extreme crime, so it was very rare crime. In England, men got away with rape all the time because they would accuse a woman of lying, and unless there were two witnesses, they couldn't get convicted. And, of course, there's not two witnesses when you rape someone. So the Powhatans saw all this sexual assault as a sign of war and thus began the first Anglo-Powhatan War. There are multiple. All of these new dudes, no food, and the Powhatan princess is in the village next door. This is the first we hear of Pocahontas again. It's been a year or so since John Smith wrote about her at like nine to like 11 or something. Everything in between is like conjecture of like Mm -hmm. what's happening and like oral tradition. She's 16. Some say she was taken from her home, but that's very rare in the articles I read. Most people say that most credible sources say she was tricked to come onto a British ship with her brother and sister-in-law. And then they were threatened and like sent away and they kept Pocahontas as leverage Whoa. against the Powhatans. So she's in a jail cell on a boat. Kokuum finds out about this and he rides to save her, but he's killed along the way to make it even worse. Most stories say that she had just birthed a daughter with Kokuum. Mm. So she's a new mother with a husband that's killed and a daughter that's alone. So now the daughter is raised by someone else forever because her dad is dead and her mother's been abducted. Never goes back. Never sees her kid. Um, Some people, or in John Smith's books, the Native Americans were blamed for this. He's like, oh, they had stolen weapons and, you know, they had taken some of our people prisoners and we were using her for a peace treaty. And there's a couple ways to look at this. Some people say that 
the Powhatans had no weapons at all, so they didn't have anything to give back. So they didn't know how to get Pocahontas. And some people are like, oh, they just didn't want the British to control the situation. So they weren't going to like give in to their hostage situation. Either way, Pocahontas is captured and she feels like my dad's not going to fight to save me. Mm. I'm stuck here and I'm 16 and I'm alone. So she was on the ship for three months and then in a English town for nine months, meaning she was imprisoned by them for a full year. Oh, my gosh. It's said that on the ship, Pocahontas got very, very depressed and stopped eating, but they needed her alive. So they let her sister visit and she told her sister that she was being raped repeatedly on the ship and that she was miserable. So after she gets off the ship, she's living with the pastor in the town and he taught her English and how to speak it and read it. And he taught her how to dress and act like high social British women. Mm -hmm. And he obviously is working on her conversion to Christianity during her time in the village. She met and began interacting with English tobacco salesman John Rolfe. He was widowed and in his 40s. Whoa. Yes. He could have been interested in her tobacco knowledge. Okay. I'm trying to sell, okay. grow tobacco and sell it. Like, let me get in with this girl. He could have actually fallen for her. Yeah. He could have been covering up the rapings because she was pregnant and he was taking one for the team oh because he gosh. was widowed. So, like, everybody's trying to figure out, like, how do we deal with Pocahontas? So, he wrote for permission to have an interracial marriage. This is the first interracial marriage in North America. Good, <sighs> good news, maybe. It wasn't really legal until Loving versus Virginia. Wait, are they in England right now? No, they're in America. Oh, I thought they were in England Not right yet. Now. She's oh. in prison in, like, I think it was like Henricus. Okay. It's a town near Jamestown that okay. had been set up. Henricus, gotcha, gotcha. I think. But they're they're still in America and she's imprisoned in the United States. Well not America yet. But in in the New World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um he writes to like the governor of like the New World in a letter asking for an interracial marriage. And the letter is very like diplomatic. Like this is a good political decision. She's the princess. Mm -hmm. And then he writes to Chief Powhatan and his letter is very like, I'm in love with your daughter. So it's really hard to read because I don't know if he was just like blurring the lines to like get what he wanted. Yeah, It's because the letters are so different. So Chief Powhatan gets this letter and he's like, oh, my gosh, Pocahontas is happy. I'm so excited. They're going to get married. And he's like, I'm going to sign off on it. I don't want this war to happen. Yeah. So. She'd been taken at 16 and her husband and child were taken from her. This is 1613 and (laughs) he signs off on it and she's married by April 1614 to John Rolfe, who's in his 40s. Oh, my gosh. Now, before getting married, she was allowed to visit her brothers and reportedly gave them a big double middle fingers to the law like fuck you guys for not coming to save me. Yeah, really. And we don't know, like, was she pissed? Was she brainwashed by this point? Was she forced to say certain lines? Either way, she was like, I don't even want to come back. I'm staying with the colonists because they love me. Oh, no. Which 
is uh, historically written down that that is what Pocahontas said at 16. Either way, she was baptized and uh, told them her magical birth name, Matoaka, which we talked about earlier, which makes me feel like she bought into this because you're not going to reveal your name if you don't buy into it. Mm -hmm. They renamed her Rebecca Roth at her marriage, and from henceforth, she was known as Rebecca. Now, I believe they were pulling one over on her because yeah. our Bible knowledge tells us that Rebecca is the character that had twins and one was red in appearance and one was white in appearance and the red baby came first and God told her to favor the white one even though the red one came first. Oh my gosh. These fuckers gave her a name and they knew what they were doing. Yeah. That's messed up. Like that's, that's really two on up. the nose, right? Yeah, I mean, I went to Bible school for a million years and did not make that connection. But you are totally right. They did that like literally on purpose. They gave her this name. Their uh, marriage did, though, put an end to the war. It was from 1610 to 1614, the first Anglo-Palhattan War. There are more Mm -hmm. after this. Um, And the peace treaty is known as the Peace of Pocahontas. So at least she got the name in there. Like she was the reason. And I do want to point out here that like, a lot of women in Europe also went through this. They're married off to kings. There's a royal family, and you're married off to a king, and then it's it's an alliance. Yeah. And I think that's what the British people were thinking they were doing, but the Native Americans didn't have language for that. That's mm-hmm. not something. Monarchies weren't something they understood in the same way. Mm-hmm. So it's very confusing because nobody's speaking the same language figuratively, not yeah. just literally, but like in figurative life. Mm-hmm. So even though this stopped the fighting for a few years, Pocahontas was never, I'm not going to call her Rebecca, by the way. Yeah. Because fuck that. Pocahontas was never allowed to see her family again. She was forced to live a new life in England, taken across the ocean. Uh, There was a Native American that came with her and reportedly Chief Powhatan was like, make a ding in this stick every time you see a white person because they wanted to see how many there were. And he just, by the time he got to London, was like, I can't. the stick was gone yeah like there's just too many people so they do end up having a son thomas roth born in january of 1614 exactly nine months after they were married this is why people feel like she was probably pregnant ahead of time and raped um what we do know is that the pastor that she was living with said he was distressed by the way that the men in jamestown uh, treated women all responsibility though John Rolf took it he signed his name to Thomas's birth certificate he not signed his name to the marriage certificate and you know England ate her up they were like this is a beautiful love story of the new world of different cultures this proves to us that like these savages can be saved and become Christians, which is horrible language. But when John Rolfe was asked, like, are you in love with her? This is what he said publicly. If I was going to marry a teenager, I would marry a white girl who was more pleasing to the eye. Oh my God. So it's like, did he love her? And that was his public, uh, like apologist behavior. Or did he just like do this to do it? It's hard. But there are portraits painted of them like royal families and like sold like people were like so into their relationship when they got to England. The Virginia company had scheduled to stay 
at Belle Savage, which means beautiful savage. They were going to stay at a bar called Beautiful Savage with her, which is fucked up. But John Smith, who was alive, wrote to the queen and was like, if you want peace in the new world, you need to treat this girl like the princess she is. Whoa. This is how you get in in North America. John Rolfe got to enjoy Pocahontas's newfound fame in England and popularity, and they became household names. She became fluent in English and styled her hair and did her makeup, and she was a Christian, and they loved her. Uh, And, yeah, she was abused and taken from her home, but she handled the pressure of being a diplomat with politeness and grace. She met Queen Anne and King James, and they adored her, and they pushed for peaceful treatment of the Native Americans. Huh. In the United States because of how she came off in public. They were like, she's great. So John Smith then was like, okay, I did a good thing. So he stops by to visit her and she thought he was dead and she is fucking pissed. (laughs) She was like, I saw your book and you used my name to make yourself famous and you made my people seem like savages and told him off like in public. And even he wrote down that she was pissed. So you know it's true when they both wrote it. (laughs) They both say it. Um, so John Rolfe's tobacco is still back in Virginia and she wants to return so badly, but she's not allowed to more evidence that she's a prisoner. Yeah. She says, um, you know, you're finally allowed to go back after like a years or so of begging. But some people say because she could now like speak better English, they were worried she'd tell the truth about what was going on. So they wanted to get her out of there. So her and her son get to get on a boat. He was obviously raised in England and they're about to go back. It's only a very short while after they left that Pocahontas falls very, very ill. They turn around and go to the closest port, but she died shortly after they arrived there. And she was given like a pauper's burial. It wasn't like a big fancy burial, even though John Rolfe like really could have afforded it. And they didn't even mark her grave well. So, like, the church expanded over the years and did some reservations. And they just, like, built over her grave. So now we don't even know where she is. We know, like, the church she was buried around. But her body, we can't even, like, exhume it and give it, like, a proper Native American burial or, like, proper honor. Even though she is in the stained glass windows at that church. They did say, like, we're going to put a portrait of her in the stained glass windows. Um And some people say it was tuberculosis, smallpox, pneumonia. There's lots of things people say. But um, a lot a lot of people later on are like, was this foul play? Because she got sick like right after being allowed to go home. And we don't know what's going on. And then the kicker is Thomas got really sick, too. So her and her son got the same exact thing. And because Thomas is so sick, John Rolfe decides, I'm just going to leave him with a dude in England, leading us to believe that he's not his biological son. He had no fatherly love for this boy um, once Pocahontas was dead. So he leaves him with a dude, and John's brother finds out. And John's brother is like, no, and adopts him. No. John Rolfe's brother adopts him as his nephew and then sues John in court for (gasps) child support because John won't pay him. He's like, you will pay me to watch your son, you fucker. Oh, my God. Which is good on you, dude. Yeah. So Thomas does end up recovering, and he actually gets his father's tobacco farms 
because his dad dies eventually. And he moves to Virginia and becomes a community leader in Virginia. And he does put in a formal request to meet his other family, the Native American side of his family. But at that point, the white people and the not white people had completely broke off ties. So he was not allowed to. So if he ever met them, it was in private and we don't know about it. So as we said, Pocahontas died on her way back home to see her family for the first time in years. She at the very least was held in a job she didn't like in the middle. She was held against her will. And at the worst, she was held as a prisoner to be tossed around like a pawn. She was between 20 and 21 mm. when she died, oh my God. which like I have now lived 13 years past her. Like I'm about to be 33 and I have done like half of the shit that she's yeah. done, which is just incredible. So her lasting impact is that Pocahontas's strength provided England the words to think about Native Americans as be being able to have souls. Like they just really didn't think people of different skin tones had souls. So yeah. there's common people who were like, no, like these people are fine. Like she's great. I love her. And um, her family, Thomas's children, live in Prince George's County and Pocahontas. Yeah. And Pocahontas has living descendants from the native American side of her in Maryland and Virginia. What? In 1907, she was the first native American to be honored with a U.S. stamp. She was a member of the Virginia women in history in 2000. And the lasting members of her tribe were the first Native American tribe to be federally recognized in Virginia in 2015. Oh, my God. Now, Disney and other renditions are very wrong about Pocahontas with the John Smith thing. The second Disney movie, Pocahontas 2, is a flat-out lie. But I do want to... We just don't need to acknowledge it's, it's that. It's so one. wrong. Oh it's, my God. I mean, it's a good move. It's a good story, but it's not Pocahontas. Yeah. Change the name. I do want to say one positive thing other than the tattoo thing I said earlier. The, the movie did choose to focus on the personality traits that we know are true. Yeah. We know she was friendly. We know she was kind. We know she was wild and outgoing. Yeah. And like they did focus on the things that everyone said the Powhatan said that John Smith said that the English said that like we know that that's true so yeah that's nice that they were able to focus on the good yeah well and also I kind of like to I always loved at the end of that movie where like it's almost like the ideal alternative to her real story it was Mm -hmm. like if she was given a choice and not taken captive she would have stayed with her people yeah like I I've always loved when she like runs back to the top and she waves goodbye to John Smith on the, you know, the mountaintop or whatever. Yeah. I'm not leaving, you know? And she's like, no, like these are my people. Yeah. I don't care about your gunshot wound. Right. Exactly. And I always, uh, like I, I like to think of that as like her alternative ending is her real story. You know, that she got to stay with her people and not be taken away to England. That's what would have happened if, uh, white people weren't the worst. Um, Yeah. 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 At that point in history. (laughs) Uh, so I do think her sad part of the story is important though, too. Like Pocahontas was a true teenage diplomat. She was a teenager and whether it was by choice or because she was just trying to survive a hostage situation and we might never know, but like 
she's loved in the world for it. Yeah. Like everybody acknowledges the fact that she created some sort of peace that the men could not create alone. Mm -hmm. And here's how I've struggled this week. And I do have this question for you. I think I'm teetering on the line of have I given her too much agency? Because like I want to give her agency because I feel like there are women in those situations and we play them off as pawns. But I know as a woman, if I was played off as a pawn, I would have my own ulterior motives in my head. Mm. But then also I don't want to give her agency and disregard the fact that she was stolen and raped. Right. So it's so it's such a hard line to walk because I don't know how to treat this situation because almost I feel like giving her agency is a little bit of my white guilt of like, Oh yeah. I want to feel good about how things ended for you. So I'm going to think that you had a say, but she probably didn't have a say, but also she did do some good things. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. No one does. (laughs) No one knows. And, but I also feel like, she had to have some agency at some point because you also don't want to overly paint Native American women as victims. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because exactly. like, that's a big problem in my story is like women are like, look, like this is the whole problem is like literally since Pocahontas, we have been seen as victims and, you know, like, you know, abuse survivors and like no one sees us as anything more than like a thing that gets battered around right so I feel like you almost need to add that not because of like your white guilt but like also to like reclaim her story for native women who want to have an alternative story of what being an indigenous female looks like right and like we know she's smart enough to become bilingual right and to go and meet the queen and king of England and Mm -hmm. impress the fuck out of them like right she is an intelligent woman so even if we don't have actual historical records of how she felt we know that she was badass enough to like take the reins and just like live it out right exactly and I don't think that that is uh and I think that that's a good thing to do is you know be like and like also like these women are incredibly strong and they can survive and they can thrive even in like the worst of situations you know what I'm saying and like I don't know. So it's very, it's a difficult thing, especially because again, like with these really far away historical things, like we just don't have the knowledge. Yeah. So I think it's better to, I think it might be better to paint someone with more agencies so as not to just paint them as a total victim. Right. Um, and yeah. And, and just like you were saying of all these things, we know that she was incredibly intelligent right, and strong and like awesome so and only got to live to 20 oh my gosh like imagine the good she could have done if we took other people with different skin colors seriously in the 1600s or now like (laughs) or ever or ever like it's so yeah so that was great do you feel like you learned things about Pocahontas yeah I just feel like her story is so much more involved than people give it credit for yeah like that was really interesting and also like i do feel like people like to glaze over the the harm that was done to her because i feel like that's when the white savior thing kind of takes over and it's like no like she wasn't raped and that's like yes she was probably multiple times multiple times and many women in her community right exactly and it's like you have to acknowledge that but like it doesn't have to be the only thing that happened to her yeah so that was great that was a very good 
telling of that story. Pocahontas. <laughs> so we're going to mix up a couple new cocktails and get real sad. We'll be back just we'll around the river. Right back. <laughs> back for more depressing information we are back <laughs> sorry for this holiday bummer yeah this is gonna be really sad we thought we planned ahead but we did an awful job yeah we did do a bad job sorry for ruining everyone's holiday um <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i guess we should jump into the drink that i made yeah i cannot okay. wait it's beautiful thank you um so i'm calling this drink stolen sister uh, so it has mezcal, orange liqueur, rosemary, simple syrup, and then you uh, pour grenadine in it and let it sink to the bottom. Um, so this drink uh, I thought of based on like an optical illusion, basically. So I, I know I want I knew I wanted it to be clear because the fact of the matter is I'm doing missing women mm-hmm. who like we don't see. Yeah. And but the fact of the matter is like they're still there even though we don't see them. So the red kind of goes all the way to the bottom and kind of rest there and it's kind of like this thing of like they're there they're just like we just can't see them this is like a fifth grade science experiment on I density know. exactly grenadine is dense more dense than alcohol <laughs> now i know um so yeah this is the drink i chose for tonight's so i am nervous it's good i can taste the triple sec mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i like i like the idea that it's just it's clear yeah. And I know when I get to the bottom, I'm just going to have cherry in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish you could taste the rosemary a little more. I feel like I can taste it. Really? Okay. Don't well, you get mad at yourself if you put in too little floral or yeah, too much floral. It's true. No I'm matter what you do that. with the floral, you I get know. mad. Mm. I'm just never satisfied. Am no, I? it's a great drink. <laughs> Thank you. And that's the thing. This drink was merely more for like the visual effect. So, yeah. But it still tastes okay. I like a pretty cocktail. You're good at pretty cocktails. Thank you. <laughs> so, God, I'm like bumping this thing left and yeah, right. Yeah, come on. What are you doing? None um, of our listeners want that. <laughs> so what do you know about the issue of the missing indigenous women? Okay. So I think like in like history, mm-hmm. I think when we think about Native Americans, we think about the Trail of Tears, uh-huh. Western Expansion, Sacagawea, Pocahontas, mm-hmm. and reservations. Yeah. And that's like it. Yeah. There's like a couple other wars and battles. Like, but in terms of like full out history, that's what we think of. Mm-hmm. But what I know is that the missing and murdered indigenous women, it's like a group, like an activist group almost. Mm-hmm. And they work to like bring light to this. And I know I've seen pictures of like the girls like with signs who have like taken red paint and put it on their hand mm-hmm. and then like put it over their mouth. Yeah. And then it looks like this very like stoic, sad Native American face paint. Yeah. And that's all that I know about it. Yep. I have not taken the time to invest interest in this or money or like my own activism. So here I am. There we go. I'm here for it, girls. Well, Tell me. We're going to learn about it today. I'm going to get real sad, aren't I? Yes, I'm uh, okay. So Teresa Davis, Ashton Reyes, Nicole Westbrook, Jamie Wounded Arrow, Rosenda Strong, Heather Cameron, Ashley Heavy Runner, Linda Hewitt, Kelly Watson, Alameda Old Crane, 
Nicole Joes, Mia Henderson, Della Brown, Tess White, and Elisa Jumping Eagle. These are just a few of the thousands of indigenous women of North America that have been missing for decades. I just wanted to give names to at least some of them, and we'll get into more later, but I just think it's important not just to think of it as like something that doesn't have a name. The rough number we have for the missing and murdered indigenous women in the U.S. right now is around 5,700, but we know that this number is much higher. The rough number for Canada is around 4,000, and that number is definitely higher. We know that homicide is the third leading cause of death for Native women. For the average American... Homicide? Mm -hmm. Jesus. And to give you a frame of reference, the third leading cause for an average American is lung and respiratory issues. Of course. But for them, it is murder. We know that 84% of Native women experience violence in their lifetime. We know that some of the folks who go missing and are murdered are... Male, female, gay, lesbian, queer, transgender, two-spirit, bisexual, agender, asexual individuals who have even more of a chance of going undetected. We know that these people have been murdered or abducted and taken across various areas of the U.S. and Canada. We know that they are being searched for only by their families because the legal systems of the U.S. and Canada are not doing enough. But what we are going to explore tonight is the history of why this is happening, some of the specific stories, and some of the various ways this happens, and what people are doing now to help the issue. Because right now, I'm so confused. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, like, I could not look at this, and clearly, I am, like, a white person, so I don't understand why somebody wouldn't search for me. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I disappeared, everybody would put out, like, a JonBenet Ramsey, like, search party. I mean, it's literally the trope of the missing white woman. Like, right. and we're going to get into that in a, a little bit. Like people just care more when it's a missing white woman. That's and, a fucking shame. Yeah, it is. And like the thing is too, like, and I do get into this too, like women of all races go missing, mm. but the percentage to population is so much higher when it comes to native women. And we're going to get into some of those numbers in a bit. But like when you look at, you know, population to people missing, the percentage is so much higher. Wow. So like the the stark numbers are not as high as other women. But when you take into account how fewer of them there are, it looks mm. really stark. So, percentage wise is so important. It is. It's very important. So I am going to be giving a lot of harrowing statistics tonight, but we know that violence against women goes largely underreported. So please take these high numbers with a grain of salt because they're probably much higher as we talked about. Mm. Uh, Also, I am very nervous about tackling this subject, but the goal of this is to highlight a really serious problem that indigenous women are currently facing. And it's going to seem like I'm jumping all over the place, but it was hard to get a linear timeline because like no one has answers right now. And that's what's, half frustrating about me researching this and me covering it because it's not like solved you know what I'm saying and it's probably not going to be anytime soon so just want to put that out there um so since we're talking about the indigenous people of North America we will be going back and forth between Canada and the U.S. because we are dealing with I mean two different legal systems and two different histories of how they have treated uh the native people 
Um, and I was actually listening to a podcast about it. Oh, I meant to do my little sources. Um, so I listened to a couple different podcasts, uh, today in focus, tough mom, never told you countless, um, articles and the documentary, our sisters in spirit, which is really Mm. good. It's on YouTube. I really recommend you watching it. Um, it's not that long. So wait, I do have a question though, too. Yeah. Is there like a, is there like a dichotomy between like women from like, central and south america that's very different because like i know mayans and aztecs like there's mm-hmm. still there's still remnants of those native cultures yeah and i just feel like maybe do they get more respect or they're just more like secluded or we don't know well i also think it's a problem of or like an issue of like skin tone because i agree people yeah. in mexico and south america still look like them right you know they have a darker saying? skin so you, tone they yeah. have a darker skin tone whereas here it's like very stark like you can look at someone and say like oh like you are not white right whereas that's, the, with that's them, exactly they kind of blend the answer in. that yeah. i was looking for okay and like it's still a problem down there you know yeah. but i didn't research that um as much but yeah, you know no. i mean it's historically a, pl- a problem right. obviously also that's not the answer i was looking for to target people okay. i just needed <laughs> i just needed an answer yeah, like, yeah, yeah i wanted to understand like why why america and canada are so different from mexico brazil peru yeah. etc yeah um so, uh, so I was listening to a podcast and one of the native women that was speaking made a really important point. She was like, by the way, she was like, when you distinguish between borders, that is inherently imperialist because they are man-made by conquerors. And so we have to acknowledge that the, to the indigenous people, those borders don't mean as much because tribal cultural areas did not have those borders before he came they crossed those borders they you know expanded beyond them yeah so i just think it's a really interesting uh thing to acknowledge that like oh yeah that's right like we cut their areas right down the middle to make borders that we fucking made up yeah like geese are more free than people exactly so but since the borders do exist and both countries have handled things differently we will we will be talking about them separately and together so Uh, And even the way we refer to the indigenous people is different. In the U.S., we refer to them as Native Americans. And in Canada, they refer to them as First Nation, Mm. uh, which I didn't. I mean, obviously, don't call them Native Americans um, because we are the United States of America. I don't know. Yeah, but we're in North America. But we're in North America. So I don't know. Some Um, people call us and South America the Americas. Right. And so but they call them First Nation in Canada. Um, I also wanted to point out that it is not just women who go missing. Like I said earlier, a lot of Native people go missing who identify in all sorts of beautiful ways. But I am focusing mainly on people who identify as women for this story. So I just want to point that out because I'm going to zero in on them. So the Royal Canadian Mounted Police have given us some numbers of the missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada, commonly referred to as MMIW. In Canada, Indigenous women and girls make up 4% of the population, but they account for 16% of all female homicides. Whoa. Indigenous women are five times as likely to be murdered than non-Indigenous women, and it has gotten so bad that Canada has recently labeled the issue a genocide. Wow. The a U.S. Femicide, mm-hmm. maybe, even? Yeah. I mean, it could be. Yeah. So... The U.S. has failed to take the step of calling it a genocide, but a 2004 Department of Justice report estimated that these um, assault rates are about 50% higher than the, mo- the next most victimized demographic. 
Wow. And again, we're talking about percentage like two population. 17% of Native American and Alaskan Native women have been stalked in their lifetime. And one in three Native women will be raped during their lifetime, whereas the risk for um, other women, one women as a whole, it's one in five. One in five, okay. Yeah, so we're talking about one in five versus one in three. So 20% versus 33%. Yeah. Do you see that math? I did. That was really great. I was going <laughs> to say 30%, so that's good. <laughs> so why is this happening? I think to give us some context, we need to take things back to the beginning and trace the history of indigenous women of North America. I really do want to understand why, because now yeah. I'm, now I'm upset about it. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm upset about it. Right. So <laughs> tell me. So uh, because I am uh, from the U.S., I'm going to be focusing on U.S. history. OK. Um, just because I feel like it would have been a lot to go into, like, the very origins of, like, Canadian history as right. well. Um, so. Of course, we all know, uh, hopefully, you know, about the atrocities that have been inflicted um, on, you know, any sort of native population since Columbus landed in 1492. Right. I listed um, some of them at the beginning. You did. <laughs> uh, we just cannot talk about any native people without mentioning that asshole. Um, <laughs> the indigenous people were not seen as human and they were seen as a thing to be dealt with, like a pest in your home mm. that needs to be exterminated. This led to hundreds of years of raping and pillaging and displacing for land. So skip ahead because we just covered Pocahontas. That was like the earlier years. Yeah. Uh, In 1830, the Indian Removal Act was signed by Andrew Jackson and was initially an optional relocation to lands west of the Mississippi. Of course. So that white people could settle on their land. Of course, this quickly became mandatory when they were like, you know what? We're not going to leave. This is our fucking land. And then they were forced out. Yeah. The tribes that were affected were the Cherokee, the Chickasaw, Choctaw, Creek, and Seminole. They established that the Indian Territory would be in what is now Oklahoma. And, of course, Andrew Jackson was like, no, it's really actually beneficial to the Native people because now they won't be fighting with the settlers all the time. They'll just have their own space, you know, down on the range. They're going to fucking love it, which, of course, they didn't. Uh, The Choctaws were forced to march to their new territory Nearly a fourth ended up dying due to disease and hypothermia. The Chickasaw went willingly. Uh, the Creek were taken in chains. More than 3,000 of them uh, did not survive. The Cherokee tried to stay by adapting to white culture. But of course, by 1838, when the U.S. government had discovered gold on their land, they were like, mm, we don't care that you have jobs, waistcoats and watch fobs. You got to go. This led to the 2200 mile long Trail of Tears, which killed 4000 Cherokee people. The Seminoles in Florida were actually somewhat successful in staying, um, but uh, some of them still died, and I know their leader was killed uh, in some Florida's battles. Florida's a wild card. Florida is really wild. So actually, some of their descendants still live on their land in Florida to this day. Yeah. Uh, in 1851, Congress passed the Indian Appropriations Act, which created the Indian Reservation System and provided funds to move Indian tribes onto farming reservations and hopefully keep them under control because again they are a problem to be dealt with in the eyes of the u.s government it is shocking so like i have to teach to the sixth graders migration Mm -hmm. and we have to categorize forced and voluntary migration and then we have to categorize like whether it's economic political social religious etc and um the kids like will say oh it was voluntary they signed the document and i'm like right but they 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 couldn't 
read English. Like they were tricked into it. And then they're like, okay, so it was forced, but like it was a political thing. And I go, no, 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 no. It was, it was a social problem. Like it was a racist issue. Yeah. And they just can't see, they can't see the hatred towards native American people, which like, Maybe it's a little bit credited to living on the East Coast. Like they're not surrounded by people of Native American descent. Yeah. But it's also like the only racism that happened was not towards those of African descent. Yeah. Like racism exists in all different spectrums. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a glaring example. Yeah. And uh, initially they were not allowed to leave their reservations without permission. So they were in concentration camps, they were, basically. They were in prison camps. They were imprisoned. So, of course, this was also uh, done with no respect for their history or culture. So feuding tribes were sometimes put on the same tract of land. Oh this caused a lot of conflict. And there was just not enough room for them to live separately and keep their traditions alive. So it just created all sorts of problems. And another thing this did was it turned a hunting and gathering society into a farming society. So they had always grown food, which we know. But this was not what they had traditionally done for their main sources of food. And now they're in this area where the soil is different. It's west of the Mississippi. They're not used to it. Um, and also the women who had been the farmers initially yes. and had more equal parts in their society. Pocahontas's family, the women were farmers. Yeah. But now, so they were forced inside to do more domestic duties because, so I'm going to take a specific example of the Iroquois tribe. So as you said earlier, um, the different tribes, including this one, practiced matrilineal descent. Mm. So the women were in charge of the homesteads and they had a lot of power because they were the ones who were there while the men were all hunting and gathering. So they were in charge of raising the next warriors. They were in charge of growing the food and the cooking and like, but not just like, you know, the typical cooking and cleaning women. Like they were in charge of so much shit. They're like Spartan women. Yes. They were the ones who would choose the next chief because they knew who needed to lead the society better than the men did. And the men acknowledged that and let that happen. Are you saying we should only let women vote? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And then of course, when women, that was a joke. We love men. (laughs) But not all of you. And of course, like we can't say that all the tribes were like this, but some scholars point to colonialism as the downfall for the native American woman. And because European settlers came in and they were not okay with negotiating with women, but they were the ones who were kind of in charge of shit. Is it ever shocking to you that like, quote unquote, lesser societies felt more kindly upon women? Mm. Like, it doesn't that strike you as odd? Yes. Uh, That's I like. I don't even know how to feel about it. It's like, oh, this new culture comes in that's so quote unquote sophisticated and they hate girls. Right. Exactly. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know either. It sucks because then this idea infused itself into some native tribes and they're like, wow, you are right. I should, I should have intrinsically more power than a woman just because I have a penis. So... Women were not doing the farming. The men were doing the farming and there was some starvation after the crops were not yielding what they wanted to because they also, again, were on different land than they were used to. Right. So in 1883, the U.S. government adopted the Code of Indian Offenses, which Mm. banned many of their most sacred ceremonies. (sighs) So 
And of course, there were the Indian boarding schools, which we have talked about before, whose mission was to, quote, kill the Indian and save the man. Wait, what year did you say? 1880 they banned? 1883. The U.S. government adopted the Code of Indian Offenses. Yeah. So that was when they banned. I want to point out, this is after the Bill of Rights had been passed with the First Amendment. Mm. Just so everybody knows. Just so you know. Um... So these children were stolen from their homes. Their hair was cut. Their traditional clothes were burned. And their language was forbidden. Uh, And there's a really interesting story about, uh, I think it's a Radio Lab episode where they traced the origins of football. And it's like this story about how like the Native American people at the boarding schools were like so good at football and the white people were like uh no that's not allowed and they basically like made all these rules so that the native americans couldn't win (laughs) and that's why we had the football rules we have today (laughs) that's great yeah well the native americans uh tricked a whole bunch of settlers to come and watch them play lacrosse and then slaughtered them so oh well, that's good. It was great. I'm okay with that. That was during the French and Indian War. Yeah. <laughs> Come for a sporting event. Hey, all these sporting <laughs> events are all about killing people. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1887, the Dawes Act was signed by President Glo- uh, Grover Cleveland, allowing the government to divide reservations into small plots of land for individual Indians. Mm. The government hoped the legislation would help the, you know, and again, I'm using the term Indians here to remind everyone that we're in like a fucked up time period. Right. Historical context. Yes. Uh, assimilate into culture, into, I'm sorry, white culture, easier and faster and improve their quality of life. Hmm. But the Dawes Act had a devastating impact on the Native American tribes because it decreased the land owned by the quote unquote Indians by more than half. And it opened even more land to white settlers and railroads. So much of the reservation land again, wasn't good farmland. And then many native Americans could not afford the supplies needed to reap a harvest. And that sucked. This law was ended in 1934 and replaced with the Indian reorganization act with the goals of restoring Indian culture and returning surplus land to tribes. Uh, It also encouraged tribes to self-govern and write their own constitutions and provided financial aid for reservation infrastructure. It was taking little steps into a better direction. Modern uh, Native American reservations still exist across the United States, and they fall under the umbrella of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The tribes on each reservation are sovereign and not subject to federal laws. So like they can do things like grow marijuana and stuff, Um, but they do still have to pay federal income tax. So there's some gray area. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out exactly what the situation was legally with reservations. And I still don't quite understand it. It's I don't know that we will. I don't know if we can. I I I know because also like state laws are also a part of like, and there's so many across the United States. Like, right. So, like, there's federalism, mm-hmm. central government, and then there's, like, state governments, and then there's county governments. And then it's, like, it's so hard because, the, like, there's a community in Hawaii that is, like, completely indigenous. Mm-hmm. And they, the American government gave them privilege to, like, be their own place. Wow. And, like, but also they cut off all their water and electricity. Oh. They're like, you are your own place, so you're your own place. 
You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. it's very like, okay, well, yeah. I'm going to sit here. And, it's really cool. If you look it up on YouTube, you can find like the, uh, the Alaskan or the Hawaiian people who are yeah. just like, we're not going to be a part of this. Oh, that's but cool. it's hard to distinguish what laws apply to who. Right. Exactly. What you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's hard to distinguish just with like normal states, let right. alone a reservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we saw that in the Twilight books. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds so dumb. I know it sounds dumb, but like they were distinctly describing like North American reservations and how like other people don't have jurisdiction in those reservations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pop culture. Jacob. There you go. So. <laughs> um, da, 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 da. Okay. So often uh, the main sources of income are casinos and tourism, um, which has now become a trope of Native Americans. So I don't like I want to make it clear that like not all of them uh, have casinos on them. And also I think it provides this false image of this wealthy indigenous casino owner. Many Native Americans live in poverty. I want to make that clear. And this and the dissolvement of their culture has led to intense alcoholism and drug abuse. This has led to suicide and a high rate of domestic violence and violence against women, both on and off reservation. So it's not just a reservation issue. Wow. This long history has also created a sense of distrust among the indigenous people. I mean, why would you trust a government and a system to help you when all you've known is abuse? So now 36% of Native Americans say they don't even bother contacting the police when crimes occur. This creates... I feel like that's common amongst people of color. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This creates loopholes in the system, horrible stereotypes of Native Americans, and reoccurring cycles of poverty and violence. And again, this is not just on the reservation. 71% of Native Americans live in urban areas. So it is not a, like inter like not inter i guess like inner community issue it is a social racial issue like one woman was saying she's like we tried to get out of the reservations she's like the the problem follows us it's a problem all across the u.s the problem follows us it's us like this is a racial issue four out of five native women experience some sort of abuse in their lives and this is from both members of their tribe and uh, outsiders who hunt them. So it's in their tribe, it's in their family, and it's outsiders. I just can't understand. I can't understand that. I know. They ha- like outsiders will hunt them like prey, or they will marry them in order to achieve a fetishized fantasy, and they begin abusing them when their quote unquote Indian princess bride does not turn out like they wanted. I just don't. I don't understand. Like. I cannot physically understand why somebody would take a group of people and be like, oh, by the way, I'm going to rape you more often than other people. Well, it's because of the, I mean, what we have been told of Native people is that, like, they are there for the raping and plundering. So they are there for our abuse. Yeah, exactly. We are, we are. And that's something that is ingrained in us. I can hear that. I can hear that. I can feel that. That makes sense. Yeah. I needed those words to be said out loud. Like you are here for me to abuse Mm -hmm. because I took your land and I put you in a place. Right. Exactly. So it's like almost an internal. It's been internalized by American people 
that yeah. that's what Native Americans are. Yeah. And again, okay. like, please, your God, like, not all. Like, <laughs> I want to make that yeah. clear. Like, uh, it is. Yeah. I don't want to rape anybody. God, no. But like, I think I really do think that there is like a mindset of like, oh, like, you know, you know how like there are specific hunting grounds in mm. forests like this is the hunting area. This is where you go to hunt. I mm. think that some mm. white men think of that as like, oh, the reservations are hunting grounds. And we'll also get more into those reasons in a little bit, too. Well, it's also the way that like um, incels are really like angry at women. And sometimes mm-hmm. like I think it might be easier for an incel to prey on somebody who's quote unquote seen as lesser. Right. Exactly. So which sucks. It does. Uh, because, uh, I mean, one quarter of all cases of, uh, family violence or violence involving spouses against, uh, American, uh, Indian women involve a non native perpetrator. So their rate of interracial violence is five times higher than other groups. Oh, my God. And these women are not just young women who are like of the marrying age. The youngest is one year old and the oldest is 83. So this also this problem does not have a specific, you know, age or type. People like to claim that these women are sex workers and they deserve it. They put themselves in bad situations. But in one study, only 18 out of 516 uh, MMIW in urban areas were sex workers. And the fact is, though, that sex workers, it doesn't matter if they were or not. They still deserve to be cared about and not murdered and abused. You know, like I like I hate that there is that distinction of like, why are we even still talking about whether or not they were sex workers? Right. Like, I don't like it shouldn't matter. They're still a person. And if you if you're going to have sex with somebody for a job, that is your job. And right. then when they step over those bounds. Right. You should be able to say stop. Yeah. And the problem is that many women will say that and it is disregarded. Right. Because they are seen as lesser than. And then when they are murdered, they are known. And this is a, a, term, a, a term that exists. They are called the less dead. And now most indigenous women who go missing are being filed under this category of less dead, whether they are sex workers or not, because the less dead, that is the reference to the people that like, well, you know, we're not going to really investigate it because they had it coming or we don't care about them as much. They like, had it coming. Yeah. That's why I think it was the the Green River Killer. Um, he went on for so long because he was only killing sex workers. I and can't people handle just didn't that. Care. Like Jack the Ripper. Yeah. He was killing sex workers. Yeah. So which let's all stop killing sex workers. Right. They're um, doing the one thing that boys like and then you're <laughs> killing them. <laughs> I don't understand it. So when you're less dead, you get less attention and less opportunities for justice. And police stations across the country have repeatedly failed to assess also the race of a lot of these missing women when they put them in the database. Um, so we can't know exactly how many of these women are going missing and being murdered if they are not being counted. So I was reading this article. It was a long reads article by, uh, Rianne, uh, Sparrow. Uh, they posted an informative step-by-step process of what happens when an indigenous woman goes missing. And I think that this is very interesting. Step one, a loved one's disappearance is investigated by local police, but not reported or counted in an official database. Step two. Local police detain the man who has either trafficked, 
raped, murdered, or committed another violent act against your relative. Step three, the federal government interferes and demands local police release the violent assailant who either murdered, raped, or otherwise abused your beloved because he isn't indigenous and can't be detained without a conviction. Hmm. Step four, the federal government performs step three while also insisting your local courts have zero authority to try and convict the perpetrator. Because again, these are all happening like on reservations. This Mm -hmm. is what we're talking about. The steps that if a crime is committed on a reservation. Step five, forego your community's law enforcement take and take every rape, assault or murder case involving a non-indigenous perpetrator to the federal government. Uh, I think we're on step six. (laughs) Sorry, I lost count. I didn't number them on the paper. Uh, the federal government denies pursuing your case. And according to the government accountability offices, 2005 to 2009 data regarding Indian country, 50% of all other cases involving non-indigenous violent offenders. Next step, the perpetrator walks free to offend again and again with no threat of consequence. So basically that whole long winded thing was to be like, there is, there are so many loopholes and sh- walls that you run into And it's just so difficult to actually get a conviction on native land. And we will, uh, I'm going to get into the specific laws that prohibit that in a little bit. Um, But I just thought that was an interesting thing to talk about before we get into the specific stories. It is because if you are like, so if you think about the chances of which like a normal, typical, I'll say typical woman will report assault and then think about the fact that you're an an indigenous woman Mm -hmm. what are your chances of doing that if you know you have to go through all those steps right exactly that's why the numbers are probably so much higher because women just don't report that's so horrible so rosenda strong went missing on october 2nd after heading out to a local casino with some friends when her sister reported her missing to the authorities They disregarded her case because Rosenda was listed in their system as having a previous drug problem. She put up flyers for her sister, held events for her, and continuously searched for her. Almost a year later, her body was found in a freezer on the side of the highway by two homeless men. Four miles away from the casino, she was at the night that night. Misty Upham is a Native American actress who had been in a few small films, She was sexually assaulted as a child, then sexually assaulted by a member of Harvey Weinstein's production team while trying to get into a movie. She was then murdered on the Muckleshoot Reservation in Washington State when she was 32. In September 2008, 16-year-old Maisie Ojik and 17-year-old Shannon Alexander went missing together. Authorities have again disregarded this as a teenage runaway. Maisie's mother is still searching and fighting for her daughter. You can still see the billboard when you come into their town. They have never been found. Jennifer Cathaway has been missing for 10 years. The authorities have given up on her, but her family takes cadaver dogs, trucks, and construction diggers all from their own dime out to places her mother sees in dreams to look for her. For 10 years, they have roamed the area of Winnipeg in Canada searching for her body. Family and friends uh, and and just general fundraising keep the search going. Gladys Tully was struck and killed by a police car. She was an elderly woman. The police station determined it was an accident and no one has been prosecuted. Her daughter has been fighting since 2001 to get the case reopened because there is evidence that she knows exists but has not been reviewed and has been hidden by the police department. 
A young woman named Ashley Heavy Runner went missing in 2017 in Montana from the Blackfeet Reservation. Her family, specifically um, uh, her sister Kim, still they still go out and look for her across the 1.5 million acres of the reservation. The night she went missing, she got a, f- a ride from a friend to go to a party. We know she was at the party. There are videos of her. Um, but after that, it's nothing. She's gone. On the Blackfoot Reservation, there are about 15 police officers in the Tribal Police Department. So they are understaffed, under-resourced, and they don't have the extensive, extensive training that other police departments do to deal with these things. And even if they know who did it, if it is a non-tribal person, a 1978 Supreme Court decision from Oliphant versus Suquamish gets in the way. This decided that non-native people cannot be arrested by tribal police officers or tried in a tribal court. So if a non-native person commits a crime on a reservation, the native people cannot do anything about it. So it has to be appeal, 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 appeal. It has to be a good enough case that they can appeal to the Supreme Court. Yeah. The only way to change the law. Yeah. And like we said, yeah. And like we said earlier, in the case of indigenous women, it's three times more likely that their abuser is non-native. And again, this is not the norm. In most cases of violence against women, the perpetrators are the same race. And in their fucking family. Yeah. All of this means that these cases often slip into what we like to call the legal black hole, where no one knows who exactly should take care of it, and the family is left in limbo with only themselves to search for their family members. Mm. Now, there was some light in the darkness in in 2013, the Violence Against Women Act came in, and now they can arrest and try non-native people for domestic violence and other such crimes that fall into that category. But not all states have signed on to this, and also President Trump quietly changed the definition of domestic abuse to be more restrictive so it covers less people and situations. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, what you need is like an egregious crime. Yeah. Because the only way to get the Supreme Court to change the decision is that if it gets appealed up to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. All of this adds fuel to the fire of non-native people thinking of reservations as the Wild West and Native Americans as open season for hunting. In 2003, mm. Lavetta Elk was raped by her army recruiter on the Pine Ridge Reservation. The federal government declined to prosecute. The U.S. Millie declined to prosecute. She ended up suing the U.S. government and actually won. But why did it need to come to that? Why was no one willing to go to bat for this Native American woman? And I just wanted to tell all those stories because they're just a few of them. But like that shows you how not every one of the MMIW stories is the same. Right. So it's not like we are dealing with one perpetrator, like a serial killer. There are some serial killers, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But this is a problem that has a lot of different facets and stories to it. Um, so uh, but. Anita Lucchesi is one person who is going to bat for these women. She has been working independently to compile a list of MMIW because no agency seems to be able to do so. She is a survivor of domestic abuse and human trafficking herself, so this is very close to her heart. There are about 4,000 cases that she has currently logged, and what she has been trying to do is make a map of where they go missing, which also includes information that the law enforcement does not see is important such as what tribe are they affiliated with (laughs) are they a mother are there other members of their family who have gone missing and 
I think this is very important. How close are these murders to the new oil pipelines? Wow. Which I had never thought about. So we have been discussing the environmental impacts of these oil pipelines ravaging the land. But what we don't talk about is the fact that rapes and murders increase when pipeline constructions are on or near reservations. Wait, because... because, Go ahead, say your statement. So I'm I'm about to blow my gasket. Yeah, so because you have an influx of concentrated groups of non-tribal men, mainly white men, who are not from that area and they know they will get away with it and the practice of interracial abuse gets worse and then they move on to a different area further down the pipeline and nothing changes because they're literally just moving down the pipeline so nothing that they do in the time that they're there fucking matters that breaks my heart yeah because that makes me want to die i cannot And this, I feel like, also just, like, reminds me of, like, their whole history where body sovereignty is linked to land sovereignty. If the government is going to allow pipelines to destroy the native land, they are going to allow pipeline workers to destroy native bodies. It's just there's so many women in the Powhatan tribe who were raped because they were like, oh, my my wife's in England. Mm -hmm. So it's regional. Yeah. I'll rape you because you're here. Right. It's like, I'm on vacation. Why wouldn't I? Like, um, a lot of these cases, uh, not just the pipeline cases, but just any MMIW cases get listed as quote unquote accidental drownings or hypothermia or just unknown, which is like, yes, uh, hypothermia is a real issue on, um, in like these wide expansive areas. Um, but a lot of these things that are labeled accidental deaths. I mean, these people have, these women have bruises on their bodies that the family's like, well, what's that about? And they go completely ignored. An additional factor um, that a- aids to, to this and the, the murders and the missing and the, the hypothermia is that public transportation is not as accessible on reservations or in these rural areas. So they need to, get rides from people they need to stand out in the cold they need to walk long distances and this is makes them more vulnerable Mm. some of these areas are also you know as we said poverty stricken so they don't have access to cars and one place where this is localized is called the highway of tears it goes from prince george and prince rupert um in british columbia canada and there are upwards of 50 first nation women who have been killed on this highway alone the only reason this has come to light in recent years is because a few of the women, once they did um, DNA testing, they found out that they were white women and then it became uh, a national tragedy. Cause they were 100% that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if that, <laughs> <laughs> they were a white bitch and that's why, because like people care, people care about white women missing and it just, it sucks because the reason that we should be paying attention to this highway is not because of a couple white women. It should be from the first, the 50 first nation women that have been killed. There are known serial killers who have 50. Yeah. 50 over, over, over I'm going to keep saying it. 50. There are known serial killers who have targeted indigenous women. There was one white trucker in particular who had pictures of indigenous women with him in his truck. He had killed two or three and was on the hunt for another woman. He, took a picture of her and kept her picture on his dashboard. 
And when authorities went public with the case, a young indigenous woman identified herself as the woman in the photo. She had no idea that she was so close to being part of these numbers. He was hunting her. He, this is what he did. He took a picture of them and then he hunted them. This also leads me to point out that, so I just want to say too, women of all races go missing each year. But again, these women are being, there's there's a percentage and the fact that these women are being targeted by outside races. um, I just think that's important. So what is happening to currently combat this? This Please tell me because I'm going to get real sad if I don't know. Um, So in Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has officially labeled it as a genocide, which is a step forward, and a task force has been developed. They've been working on a report in Canada that has taken years and around $92 million to complete. They are compiling testimony, forensic evidence, just any data they can have to establish proof of a genocide that needs a solution. And I think it's important to acknowledge that their definition of genocide includes a sum of the social practices, assumptions, and actions, which I think is important to be like, yeah, this is all of our problem. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It kind of puts it back on like, you know, this is a social, like this is a racial social problem that like we need like to address as well, a whole. And if you get it labeled as a genocide, the UN has to care. Yeah. I think that's something that people forget about. That like the UN is really important. Yeah. And if you can get something tragic that's happening in your country labeled as a genocide, then like you have the backing of a group of people from all countries. Right. Who want to stop this shit. Yeah. In the US, we have uh, Savannah's Act, um, which is not yet passed. Uh, because <laughs> a Republican named Bob Goodlot stalled the vote because he didn't want it to pass. And then Congress went on break. And then the government shut down because Trump wanted to build the wall on the southern border. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this act has gone nowhere yet. Uh, but it would recognize that indigenous women are murdered more than average and that there's a lack of cooperation on investigations. It would also institute the much needed database, which would look at trends and keep track of the issue. And it would also create a task force to help alleviate the problem. But I don't want this story to continue the trend of making it seem like indigenous women are solely victims. Mm. I don't want it to say that they're silent. I don't want it to say that they're easy to abuse. They are doing some amazing things within their own community to combat this and bring attention because they are the only ones on the front line. Right. Joan Jack is a lawyer based in Winnipeg, and she helped organize a 12,000-mile motorcycle ride across the U.S. and Canada with more than 100 female riders. They were all-female all biker crew. That's so cool. To raise awareness. They were red, and they have these red ribbons flying from their bikes with the names of victims written on them. Mm. Joan Jack herself has lost two cousins to this epidemic. But the main organizer of this is Shelly Denny. She is an acupuncturist from New Mexico who calls herself a healer on a Harley. And (laughs) she felt passionately about doing something that would draw attention, but also bring people together for healing and prayer. So it was kind of like this thing of like, let's go bring awareness to the subject, but also like, let's just spend some time as native women together, like spending time praying, doing traditional ceremonies. Like, let's do this shit. Uh. Um, in Colorado Springs, the Hasaya Indigenous Healing Garden has been established as a place for victims of abuse to come and bond and pray in this garden together. 
Walking with Our Sisters is a community-based art installation commemorating murdered or missing women and the children from indigenous communities. This project is community-led from the creation of a piece to the... Um, uh, so it like goes to different sites. Mm. Uh, the Am I Next campaign has been very popular on the internet. Indigenous women post pictures with the hashtag to bring more attention to the issue, which is like a horrible thing to think of, like, am I next? Because the chances are very likely. Mm. Um, marches and vigils are held regularly, especially in front of the Canadian government buildings. And a lot of them are led by the Families of Sisters in Spirit, which is an organization that tries to help uh, bring awareness and raise money um, for the movement. Then we have the Mending of the Sacred Hoop, which I actually talked about last year when we did the story of Sacagawea. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a statewide tribal domestic violence coalition serving all 11 tribal communities as well as urban programs in the state of Minnesota. And their purpose is to build the capacity of survivors, advocates, Native American women's organizations, and victim service providers to end violence against Native women. So, again... Indigenous women, First Nation women, Native American women are not inherently victims. They are strong. They are amazing. They have had a long, they're part of a long history of oppression of, of their whole people, which has unfortunately opened up more doors for them to be abused. But they are so much more than whatever stereotypes you place on them. They lead tribes. They raise families. They get elected to government positions. They teach children They make new scientific discoveries and they just do so much good for this world. And I just want to, again, make that point. And they build coalitions and they fight for the rights of other women and they are amazing. Mm. And that is what I can tell you so far of the missing and murdered indigenous women of North America. Thank you for that so much. I, I feel <laughs> my throat is very dry. I'm sure. I am very Drink sad. some bonus wine. I just, I feel very enlightened. I feel very like blessed that you were here to tell me that. Like, I think somebody needs to say it out loud. That is yeah. not a Native American woman. Like, yeah. somebody needs to s- just verbalizing it and hearing it is a hard thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, it is, because I feel like sometimes, like, they're the only ones speaking up, and it's, like, not, and again, that also complicates the thing of, like, I don't think that, like, I'm, like, some white savior being, like, I'm crusading for them, but I'm Mm. just trying to be, like, yeah, this is a problem, and, like, we need to acknowledge it. Well, it's the same as the fact that any, any woman does not speak out about their sexual abuse, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. If one in, what did you say, one in five women suffer with sexual abuse, and we know that one in five does not say anything about it. So at some point, somebody needs to just say the numbers. Right. Exactly. And that's like, that was like one of the hardest parts of this story was like, we still just don't have, you know, a lot of concrete numbers for this. It's not accurate. But they're working towards it, you know, but it's never going to be accurate because women oftentimes do not feel comfortable coming forward because of the repercussions, because the repercussions are very serious for women. Right. And it can lead to murder. Like there was one woman who tried to leave her abuser and she was shot in front of her five children. I can't even like, why? I mean, that's like, it's, it's It's the reality of the situation. Yeah. So 
Let's talk about this in conjunction with one another in a little segment we like to call <laughs> Just the Two of Us. Five million of us. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Just a lot of us. So um, I, Pocahontas is a good grounding point. Yeah, and I think... I'm glad we chose her. Yeah, me too. Because I almost think that like her story is like a microcosm of what is still happening to Native American women. And like, if you think about it, was she like one of the original MMIW? Yeah. Like, she, was, she went missing from her tribe. Like, they didn't know exactly what happened to her. She was early enough that uh, people were still enamored mm. with the idea of the Native American woman. Like... I can honestly say, as a white woman living on the East Coast, I give very little thought to the land that I have stolen. Yeah. Very little. Yeah. And I know it's been 250 years, and it's not my fault, and blah, 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 blah. Like, go ahead. Read me the whole story. I don't care. Tell me your whole thing. But the land I'm living on is legitimately stolen, and people were murdered for me to have it. Yeah. And I don't think about that. I, I feel like people in the West Coast and the Midwest, they think about it more mm -hmm. because they're in con like there are very few Native American people that I have physically met. Literally, our most uh, experience comes from a place in Ocean City called Frontier Town mm -hmm. where like or Jamestown and like Williamsburg. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, where they have like, you know, a literal like Peter Pan themed like, you know, Indian camp. Yes. And it actually is a Native American family that like does it every year. And like they actually like seem to enjoy it. I don't know. My mom talked to them when we were kids. We did. Like, <laughs> I talked to them, too. Like when I, I go like too young, they do. They take it very, very seriously. And they I'm sure say, it does feel good for them to be like, no, like we want to share this with people. They show us dances and cooking methods and like all the, there's really cool things that they do show at Frontier Town. But you can't get over the fact that Frontier Town in itself is a very kitschy existence. Mm -hmm. It's very like I'm a cowboy and here's mm -hmm. my guns and here's the Indians. Mm -hmm. But then you can tell that like the Native American people who work there are like, oh, no, this is my actual culture. Right. Whereas the white like people are there, doing they're not really acting. Yeah. With they're like, not acting. Wyatt Earp is a paid actor. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. The the girls that are like the, the can in the can saloon, dancers. the can-can dancers mm -hmm. in the saloon, like they aren't like, oh, this is my culture. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm just getting paid to dance. Right. Exactly. Whereas like the it when you take the little train you take to the mm -hmm. Native American camp, it's like they're like, hey, let me show you what my life was really like. Mm hmm. They care. Yeah, they do. And um, I was thinking about in both of these stories, like how sad it is, like we were talking about Pocahontas, like coming of age and i think about how sad it is that like a lot of native women now don't get to come of age like i and they also like don't get to have those ceremonies so there's a really great video online of this young woman who came of age and she went through the whole shebang and it's like i mean i think it was like tw it's a 12 day long ceremony with like different things happening each day and the mother was talking about it and she was like yeah, it costs $10,000 to put this on. Like, 
it is serious. It's a serious event, but it is so important to them. And it was so cool to see this young girl being like, no, like I want to do it. Like a part of this ceremony is you have to dance all night. And she was like, you know, some girls take breaks. She was like, I really don't want to. I want to go through it because the longer you dance, the stronger you are as a woman. And I want to do it. And then to think that like, you know, because of how the situation has evolved, a lot of women don't get to do that. And when we were just talking about the acts that like literally made that illegal, that coming of age ritual was illegal. And can you imagine somebody being like, oh, you can't get baptized. Oh, yeah. You can't um, be circumcised. Mm-hmm. You can't like anything. Right. Or, like, in you can't have to a sweet 16. Right. Like that's illegal. Yeah, anything in regards to your religion or like your coming of age ceremony, a bat mitzvah, oh, yeah, a that's bar a good, mitzvah. Yeah, that's you a know much what I mean? better example. A, a bar mitzvah is a wonderful example of like, oh, you cannot be a an adult Jew, right? And like, I just can't imagine being a young girl and like being like, so what happens to me? You know, and like a lot of times they just did it in secret, but it's like that's not fun. No, it's not, <laughs> and it's like. And it should be a celebration. That's something you feel guilty and bad about. And like you're breaking the law. But I don't know. And just like this whole idea of like a problem to be dealt with treating the women like animals. I mean, Pocahontas literally in a cage only there for men who are passing by to have sex with her, you know, at certain points. Her whole goal was she was a uh, she was a propaganda tool. Yeah. Pocahontas was a propaganda tool for the British they knew she was the daughter of the chief. Mm-hmm. They knew he wasn't going to fight for her because he's got 50 children. What's right. he going to do? Right. You can't fight for every single one. Yeah. When I also I think her her name is so um, meaningful, like because you were talking about how it's a flower between two streams. And I almost feel like Pocahontas is this woman between two worlds mm. because both of them. I feel like she felt kind of rejected by. That's interesting. So it's like her birth name that they gave her on a whim meant more than the name she got when she was 14 and even more than the fucking Rebecca name where they were trying to publicly shame her because she didn't understand the Bible as much as everybody else. Right. Exactly. Um, And I also, I think the idea is really interesting of just lots of different stories. Like you said, very from the get go, like there are three different versions of the tale of Pocahontas and the truth is somewhere in between. Mm. And I feel that way with the story of these missing women. Like there are so many stories and we can't even get to the truth in between because we don't know the second half of the story even, you know, it is incomplete stories. It's such a shame. Yeah. Like, the written language deteriorating like for some cultures and it didn't for others like it's like oh we so know we know so much about ancient china we know so much about ancient egypt we but it's like give me the aztec women the mayan women the north american women and we just know less because written language wasn't valued as much as oral language yeah so now it's like i don't get to hold it yeah and i think as a white person, unfortunately, if I don't get to hold it in my hands, mm-hmm. then I disregard you as lesser than. Yeah. Well, and also that is a, a sincere tactic of uh, conquerors is you 
rape and murder the women because they are the storytellers. Ugh. They are the ones who hold the history and the traditions. And uh, if you take away those bodies, then you can kill the culture from the inside out. That is the number one step. That breaks my heart. Kill the mothers and then take the children. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you are in a more apt position to kill the culture. And I also, I, I was thinking about the the role of the abused woman as still being made to be the peacekeeper like pocahontas still being made to be the peacekeeper even though she's being treated so horribly she was a diplomat yeah exactly and this burden of being like no everything's fine i'll still do your bidding and i'll still try and make good with people um and i feel like that ha- like i was like we we're talking about the woman who is making the database for these women who is a victim of abuse and literal trafficking and just trying to put some good into the world. And it's like, it's something that I think should be, um, is like a great thing to do. And it, but it also makes me sad that like, you know, I hope that it's not like a burden that they feel, mm. you know, cause how you react to something like that. I think it looks different on everyone. And I don't think that any way you react to it is uh, more or less valid because, you know, I don't think that you know how you're going to react to it when it happens. No. And, and I don't think that, like, you're more valid if you're able to be Pocahontas and then go on to, like, try and make peace treaties with different nations, you know, like. I just think it's shitty because, like, she was 20 years old and we yeah. know because of research at present that. Your frontal lobe is not even fully developed. Yeah. So this girl, like, she was smart as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, she was. And she just did not get the ch- I mean, maybe she did get the chance. Maybe it was her chance. And that's why she's so well known. Yeah. Maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe we know her name because she didn't fucking give in to the rape and the torture that the other women were. And I'm not saying the other women are worse. Mm-mm. I'm saying like maybe she was the one who was like I'm gonna grab you by the balls and tell you you're wrong right and I would love to give her that piece of wisdom right and I want to follow her example in that sense like I'm not gonna keep being taken I'm gonna grab you by the balls and just tell you you're wrong there you go even if it means I have to marry you and have a <laughs> kid named Thomas and um and I think the last thing that I wanted to point out was um that all of these women and Pocahontas were ripped away from their final right as a Native American woman to be buried in a yes. traditional way. Correct. And I think that that is like the last like like spit in their face like fuck you and your culture, you know, to like you know, we're not even going to give you the decency of like some uh what I want to call it ritual ritual or like um like peace to your family mm. you know like cause a lot of the families of the missing and murdered women are like I, we just want closure you know because a lot of their bodies still aren't found they still don't know what happened to them and you know I just think it's that last little thing of like oh that's right like we don't give a shit about you because yeah. you don't even have access to this one simple thing of like your family having your body and I don't know. I just think that sucks that it was a thing in Pocahontas's time and it's a thing now. It's been too many hundreds of years for it to still be a thing. Yeah. 
It is shocking and unbelievable that we could treat people differently because of their ethnicity. Yeah. I I think people really today think it doesn't happen. Yeah, I think. uh, Yeah, I think you're right. People put their blinders on. And I also think that uh, one of the points I wanted to drive home is that like people think like, oh, it's just like, you know, it's a reservation problem. It's da 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 da. -da. It's all like, you know, uh, same uh, (laughs) whoops, same race abuse. And it's like, no, actually, in their case, it's not. It's they're, you know, being hunted. It's yeah, it's white men like fetishizing them and exoticizing them. And like this is what happens when that like I feel like people are like, oh, why is it weird that like, you know, I think that like, you know, Asian women are super sexy. And it's like, well, because then like it can turn into like you not thinking that they're human and they're Mm -hmm. only there for your sexual pleasure. And then it being okay that you abuse them and it being okay that you murder them. Right. You know what I'm saying? They become a toy on your shelf. Right. Exactly. Because I feel like when you uh, fetishize something like, like a person, then it opens up to you don't think of them as human. Right. You know, because I think like, I don't know. So, but it's I also a, like, a, I, I get so nervous talking. No, you're about right. Stuff there, like there's this. a heavy, there's a heavy difference between having a type and fetishizing. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that that's like what everybody like, I'm not prone to a guy with blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I will prey upon men with brown hair. Right. Yes. It's just mm-hmm. like, I'm not, I'm not the type of person who's like, oh my god that guy with that hair is so cute you know what i mean like, right and i think it's and i think also all this is also removed from like you know uh, a sexual like kink that you might have uh-huh. of like like you might like your partner to like use nunchucks on you but that's not going as far as to see you know asian women as an object right you know like in that case, like it's the so nunchuck is the object, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like you can put that on object. I don't know. But also I'm not in that community and I. <laughs> but you also are a person who has sex and mm-hmm. who knows other people who have sex. So like that right. you do have a, a credible ability to say like, I can be sexually attracted to somebody that looks a certain way mm-hmm. and other people that look that way and not fetishize them there's a big big difference yeah and obviously native american women are being fetishized and sought after we know it's a problem with specifically eastern asian women which we've taught talked about before Mm -hmm. it happens yeah yeah if your group is narrowed down to like a, a toy that people can play with then it's like you're not just a woman who we can abuse. You're a this type of woman who right. I can abuse. Exactly. Because are you thinking about it in terms of like, oh, wow, I fell in love with a Native American woman or I got a Native American woman. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's the difference of seeing it in those uh, two separate lights of yeah. like, I was specifically searching for a woman of your exact dimensions and yeah. here you are. And now you're not living up to my expectations. Right. Mm. Well. We just talked about a lot of things. I'm feeling I'm feeling very sad. I'm glad that we're not recording this the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. We're recording it just a week ahead. The day before my birthday. Just the day before your birthday. <laughs> so hope you enjoy 
your birthday. Are you kidding? This is my go to. <laughs> we have to talk about history for two hours. Two hours. <laughs> um so do you want to toast these women? I do. Okay. Who would you like to toast? So I want to toast, and this is not satirical at all, the women who make the most of a really bad situation, like mm. the most of the hand that's dealt to them. So many women are given like the short end of the stick mm -hmm. and they have to survive in a place where like freedoms and rights are violated. So often we don't get to see women whining about it. Mm -hmm. You see women doing something about it. Yeah. And I love that. So even though they often have to operate within the constraints of oppression, I, I really just want to praise women who are being oppressed and are doing it anyway. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Yeah. This patriarchy or this person or this group is treating me as lesser than and I get it, but I'm also going to just work my shit and move beyond it. There you go. And that's so cool. Yeah, it is cool. Cheers. So cheers to beyond repression. Mm -hmm. So I am going to toast the Stolen Sisters and the Left Sisters because I feel like we're talking a lot about the women who go missing and... I think it is very hard to be a person who is left alone. Like I spent a lot of time watching these women just so upset and sad and lost because they have lost their daughter or their sister or their niece or their grandmother or their mother or their friend who is like, again, there's no closure. They don't know what happened and they keep going and they keep searching and they are just so strong for doing so. And I just want to toast them because I think that they are incredible for keeping going. So I agree. Cheers. I can't believe it. Yeah. And also keeping going while they know that there's still a big chance that they themselves might fall under the same fate. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, so you're a target. So that's that. Uh, is there uh, some sort of happy note, happy pop culture note that you want to leave us on? I do, actually. Okay. So Disney Plus is a thing. Oh, now. my gosh. But I'm not going to promote Disney okay. Plus. Okay. However, you need Disney Plus to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> so as most people know, before the Pixar movies, Pixar does like little shorts. Yes. And Disney Plus has recently made those all available to everyone. Mm. So you can see every Disney short now. And there's one that I saw years ago before a film. And for people who don't know, the Disney, the Pixar shorts are made by interns. And it's their trial. Really? It is their trial to get to make a full movie. What? So it's like if you make a really good short. We'll put it before a movie. And then if you do that, then we'll let you into like a Toy Story or a Nemo or like a you have to have a really good short. So oh, my God. It's I the did interns. not know yeah, that. I learned that in Disney World when we went on a Toy Story ride while we were waiting in line. There were all these movies about it. Mm -hmm. And like you, had, we learned along the way that like the people who make all those shorts are just interns in the Pixar studio. That's insane. It's insane. And that makes them even more beautiful because they're yeah. putting all of their art degree into this one thing. Mm. So there's one. So 
on Disney Plus, if you have it, they released Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, other, mm -hmm. right? And on the Pixar one, you can go into the shorts and there's a Disney short Pixar short called Pearl. And it is phenomenal. It's four minutes of phenomenal. So like it's this male office of just straight up men with suits and just doing whatever. And this little pink ball of yarn comes in <laughs> to work there. And everybody kind of treats her different. And she slowly sews herself into like a pink ball of yarn with a suit on. <laughs> and after all these trials, like a little yellow ball of yarn like comes out of the elevator. And everybody's like, oh, come on, Pearl, let's go to lunch. And at the last minute, she stays with the yellow Aww. ball of yarn to like help teach her like how to be part of the society. And it's just about lifting women up in male conquered spaces. Yeah. And then at the end, she's bringing in a male intern to interact with all these men and women. And it's so beautiful. And it's for, I really want to listen to it. Cause I'm not quite understanding. It's, it, it's really so. weird to, to talk about it, but it yeah. is literally, We'll, we'll go upstairs and watch it okay. in two minutes. <laughs> it's really just about the idea that there's the first woman in the workforce and then that woman, as hard as it is, it's your responsibility to find the other women and tell them it's okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So Pearl, mm. Disney, Pixar short. Excellent. Go find it. <laughs> We're going to watch it in a couple of minutes. Um... Excellent. So I would like to promo a book that I read a little bit ago um, on audible trials dot com, dot com slash herstory. <laughs> We're trying so hard. Uh, so this is a book that actually, no, I will. Never mind. I'm going to switch it. I am going to promote the, the book that I got on audible. It's called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? And it was really great. <laughs> Sorry, I switched at the last minute because this is this book that I, I couldn't think of anything for this week. And I was like, oh, that was a really good book I read a while ago. But I'll save that for another time. I forgot that I just finished Where'd You Go, Bernadette on Audible. And it was great. And it's a very interesting book. And God, I am so, so selfish and weird. I got it on Audible because I was like... <laughs> Well, I don't like the book cover because they only ha I've only I only get to see the movie book cover in the store and I, I don't that. like the movie book. I covers. hate that. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. It's like, yes, Kate Blanchett is beautiful, but like I want like the original cover. So it's really good. I highly recommend it. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Mm. It's really good. So that's what I'm going to recommend. And you can get it with your free trial from if us. You go to audio.com, audible.com audibletrial.com slash history. We're so good at this. We are so good at this. We're like commercial <laughs> geniuses. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So thank you for listening. We hope you have a Katie, thank great you for this Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, happy birthday, Allie. Thank I hope you. I didn't ruin your birthday with no. this sad story. Um, it was great. <laughs> I love trauma. Good. <laughs> 
So we love you all. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us. Go check us out and on we Patreon. Love it. Oh yeah, we have a Patreon. You can see our you can get our episodes early, uncut early. So you can get all the goodies that we cut out because we're lunatics. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. and, uh, you can find us on Instagram at Herstory on the Rocks, Twitter at Herstory R, and you can email us at Herstory on the Rocks at gmail.com with all of your recommendations, which we are slowly working through because we've gotten a ton of them recently. So we're so slowly many. adding them in. So just be patient if you don't hear yours for a little bit. Um, and you might have to wait till after February yes. because we are doing entirely women of color during yes. Black History Month. Black History Month is going to be awesome. I, we're so excited about it. It's been in the works for a bit. Um, yeah, we're doing all women, women of color and it's going to be so exciting and fun and informative. So, and we should acknowledge, we understand that there are also like Asian History Months and yes. this, that and the other. We're like, yeah, let us hit one at a time. Yeah, we're gonna exactly. Hit one at a time. We're human. <laughs> Um, I'm only <laughs> human. Don't know that song. Um, it's from Twilight. It's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but tune in next week to hear us talk about more women in history. And as we like to say on Hearst on the Rocks, well-behaved women never eat more than one cheese at a time. <laughs> and they rarely make history. Bye. Bye-bye. listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye